0: Thank the Lord we worship a God-saving God. Because we'd all be lost, but we have been found. Why don't you all take a seat? So I know you're probably thinking, hmm, Bill Brown. Interesting. Where is Frank? Well, he decided to take off the one day a week he works. uh, And that's why I am up here. As I said, the elders elders said... uh, The uh, long-time starter has finished the eighth inning, and they called in the closer, and that's why I'm here. So uh, we're going to finish up with Galatians today, and uh, I'm just going to be really honest with you. I'm probably as charged up as I've ever been preaching. I've uh, enjoyed reading this passage over and over and over again for eight weeks, and um, it's a life-changing passage. There's just no other way to say it, and that is because we do serve... A life-changing God and let us never forget that you know it's it's the Sunday before Easter and no better time than to focus on Jesus Christ but we do that here all the time so if this is your first time to Uniontown Bible Church first of all welcome Uh, if you are a believer welcome if you are an unbeliever welcome I hope this message is as encouraging to you all as it has been to me again whether you are a believer or an unbeliever It is uh, just wonderful to be connected to Christ, and um, just to see what this message is going to do. So we have been in Galatians up until this point, and we finished today with Galatians 6, 11 through 18. And I thought no better way to kind of tell you where we have been is to show you a short video. And the reason I'm using this video is, one, I'm a visual guy. I like visual. uh, Two. Um, when somebody can teach it better than i can teach it why not let them do that so steph if you'll run the video
1: you're most likely familiar with the 10 commandments in the bible stuff we generally take as good advice don't murder don't steal Honor your parents. The list goes on.
2: And those are just the first 10. They're actually a total of 613 commands, all given to ancient Israel, found in the first five books of the Bible, which in Hebrew are called the Torah.
1: Now, the word Torah is usually translated in English as the law because it has all of these laws in it. And as you read through them, you wonder, am I supposed to obey some of these? All of these? I mean, what's the purpose of...
2: The law. Well, that translation is kind of confusing because while the Torah has laws in it, the book itself is fundamentally a story about how God is creating new kinds of people who are fully able to love God and love others. And when Jesus taught about the Torah, he said that he was bringing that story to its fulfillment. So walk me through the story and how it's fulfilled. So the story begins with God creating humanity who rebels. And God chooses Abraham to bless all of the nations through his family, who end up in slavery down in Egypt, and so God rescues them. Then at Mount Sinai, God makes a covenant with Israel, like an agreement. And all of the laws that Moses gives to Israel are the terms of that agreement. They're like a constitution. And so some of the laws, are about rituals and customs that set Israel apart from the nations. Other laws are about social justice or morality. And by following these, Israel would show the other nations what God is like.
1: Okay, so the rest of the Torah is just the complete list of laws that Moses gives Israel? Mm,
2: no, the rest of the Torah just continues the story. And the 613 commands are only a selection from that original constitution. And even these have been broken up and placed at strategic points within the story. Now, pay attention because you'll see a really clear pattern. Moses gives the first laws to Israel. Don't worship other gods, don't make idols. And then right after that, there's a story of Israel breaking those very laws. Yeah, they worship the golden calf. And so Moses gives some more laws, and then you get more stories of rebellion. Some more laws, rebellion again, some more laws, more rebellion, and you start to see the point. Right, no matter how many laws, they're just going to continue to rebel. So at the conclusion of the Torah's story, Moses gives this final speech to Israel as they prepare to go into their new home. And he tells them, you guys, I know that you're not going to follow all of God's laws. You've proven to me that you're incapable. And Moses says the problem is that their hearts are hard and that they are going to need new, transformed hearts if they are ever going to truly follow God's law. And he was right. I mean, the story goes on to recount Israel's total failure. They go into the land, they break all the laws. Right. Now, the next section of books in the Jewish tradition are the 15 books of the prophets, and they reflect back on the story. For example, Ezekiel, he said that if Israel was ever going to obey the law, God's spirit would have to transform their hard hearts into soft hearts. And Jeremiah said that's when obedience to God's commands wouldn't feel like a duty, but they would be written deep in their hearts. And Isaiah, he promised a future leader, Israel's Messiah, who will lead all of the people in obedience to the law. Now, in Jewish tradition, all of these books together are called the prophets, even the historical books, because they're continuing the story told from the perspective of the prophets. Okay, so we have the law and the prophets, and they're telling
1: one connected story about God's desire to bless the whole world through a people, Israel,
2: who it turns out needs a new heart. Yes, and Jesus saw himself as continuing that story. So he agreed with the law and the prophets when he taught that it is out of the human heart that come the most ugly parts of human nature. It is like the default setting of our hearts is opposed to God's law. But Jesus also said that he came to solve that problem and in his words to fulfill the law. So what does he mean there to fulfill the law? Well first he said that the demand of all of the laws in the Torah could be fulfilled by what he called the great command. That we are to love God and to love others. So that seems Pretty easy. I mean, we all want to love. Well, we think we want to love. But Jesus showed how love is far more demanding than we realize. So he quotes the law, do not murder. And he says, yes, not killing someone is a very loving thing to do. But then he also says that when you treat someone with disrespect or when you nurse resentment against them, you're also violating God's moral ideal because you're not treating that person with love. And so Jesus said true love ought to extend even to our own enemies. So even though this command seems very simple, Jesus showed how our hearts are not currently equipped to fulfill even this basic command of God to love others.
1: And that's kind of a downer.
2: But where Israel failed, Jesus brought this story to its fulfillment. As Israel's Messiah, he fully loved God and others, and he showed all of the nations what God is truly like. He did this through his acts of compassion and mercy and ultimately by loving his enemies (coughs) even unto death. And after his resurrection, he told his followers that he would send God's spirit to transform their hearts so that they could follow him and fulfill the purpose of the law, to love God and to love their neighbor. So this fulfills the story of the law and the prophets. Or in the words of the Apostle Paul, the one who loves fulfills the law.
0: So I got to give props to the Bible Project. That's who put this together. And if anybody's doing that, the... uh... Read the Bible through a year. These this is one of the videos that's attached to it. So why does this play into today? Well, this is what Paul has been talking about the entire time in Galatians. It's the idea of we are not to work our way through the law to heaven or to become a better person. It is through Christ, and that's what we're going to talk about today. The idea that we are a new creation. We are a new life. Um, Just. Something we all need to grasp. Could I know at times, me personally, I can only speak for me, but I assume you all struggle with the same things. There are times where I think I am earning my way or working my way up the corporate ladder to heaven. Christ has already done that. And that's what we're going to talk about today with Paul. So, if you would, please turn to your Bibles, and we're going to look at Galatians 6, 11 through 18. So let's look at the first verse. We're gonna we're gonna do this verse by verse, and we'll we'll see kind of where the Lord leads us. So see what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand, <clears throat> as I write to you with my own hand. So it was custom for Paul to have um, somebody else scribe uh, the things that he was saying, the things that the Lord was speaking through him. Somebody else would write that down. We now get to a point where Paul then says, you know what? Give me the pen. I want to write it down. That's how important this is. Now, some scholars believe that the thorn that Paul talks about could be his bad eyesight, which kind of makes this even cooler that he's struggling with seeing and he says, Give me the pen. I want to write this down. It's such a big deal. Now, I have been accused. My wife will tell you, Pat Wood has said it to me a couple times. I tend to put a lot of exclamation points at the end of things that I put on Facebook. Like, this was amazing! I think that's what Paul is doing. Paul is saying, look, I've written you this letter. We've now come to the end. Folks, you are a new creation. Stop believing the lies of the enemy. Stop earning your way to heaven. Christ, what he did on the cross for us, was absolutely enough. You are a new life and you have new creation. What a wonderful way for Paul to kind of start this. What's interesting about what Paul does is he has done this before in other letters, but he normally only finishes maybe with a verse where this time he's going to deliver a whole paragraph, which is what this is all about. So Galatians 6.12 says this, those who want to make a good impression outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. So, that's one, one specific thing here. And then the second part of the verse says, the only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. So, I know I have some uh, people that are my age or a little bit higher. Uh, anybody here seen Leave it to Beaver? Yes? My kids right now are going, Leave it to Beaver? What is Leave it to Beaver? So, there's a, there's a gentleman in Leave it to Beaver, and his name is Eddie Haskell right? Jeff Hook just smiled. He obviously struggles with being Eddie Haskell, maybe. Um, So Eddie Haskell was big in doing this. Hello, Mr. and Mrs. Cleaver. Everything is wonderful. And then he would turn his back and he would do something crazy or get Wally and Beaver in trouble, right? I hate to tell you, that's what came to my mind here. I was thinking about who Paul was really talking about. And he was talking about these people that were doing one thing kind of to look good, and doing another thing behind the scene. Very interesting. We don't need any more Eddie Haskells in this world. So why were the legalizers, or those that Paul was talking about, why were they doing this? The first reason can be seen in this verse, and I think it's important not to miss that, and that is this. These men, these men that were preaching the law, were trying to escape the persecution of, that is attached to Christ's cross. Say that five times, by the way. To Christ's cross. Three points here. Paul was meeting that persecution head on where they weren't. See, the cross represents three important documents, sorry, three important doctrines or truths that are important to all of us that we must deal with as people, and that is one, man is a sinner, We are low-down, dirty sinners, and there's absolutely nothing we can do to wipe that sin away. Two, man's sin brings us under the curse of God. And then thirdly, nothing man can do will earn him salvation. And if man could, folks, then we don't need the cross. We don't need to be celebrating next Sunday, because I can do whatever I want by being a good person, for giving the right amount of money to church, for coming to church, for serving. I can work my way up to heaven. Then why we're coming next Sunday has absolutely no meaning, right? See, Jesus plus something is incorrect. It's Jesus simply put, okay? Here's what Tim Keller said. thought this was pretty powerful. The gospel is offensive because the cross stands against all schemes of self-sal- self-salvation. The world is offended by the cross, which means those who love the cross will be persecuted. If you understand the cross, now listen, here's my exclamation point. If you understand the cross, it does two things. It either, it either is the greatest thing in your life or you're completely appalled by it. If you're neither, then you don't understand it very important to understand. Circumcision, which is what Paul's specifically talking about here. And again, Mark Andrews will be doing a class on that later with diagrams and so forth. Um, (laughs) Circumcision. Put whatever you want, whatever law you want. I'm going to give enough money to the church. I'm going to be a good person. I'm going to work in a homeless shelter. Whatever those things are, insert whatever you want. Whatever you do It could not mean enough. It is what Christ did on the cross. We can do nothing which Christ has not already done for us. So here's what leads us to the second reason of why they did this. And we see this in verse 13. Not even those who are circumcised obey the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your flesh. Here's the second reason. The legalizers want to brag that they had won over the Galatians for Judaism. Some would say they are a trophy hunter. Now, I know I have plenty of hunters in here. We are in Carroll County. Um, but I know most of you are hunting for meat, so forth. You're not just hunting for the head that you put over your mantle. See, the legalizers, that's what they were hunting for, they weren't hunting for the meat. They weren't hunting for you to have a heart change. They were hunting so they could put little notches on their sleeve and walk around like they were big guy on campus. They were not worried about the people, they were worried about themselves. See, what they were worshiping is, and I can be honest with you, I probably struggle with this at times myself. We worship a false savior, and that's the savior of approval. The only reason these people had gotten into religion was for fame, fortune, prestige, honor, you name it. Can you all think of anyone like that? Now, I'm not saying that all pastors on TV are like that, but there's quite a few. And honestly, I feel for them. Because one day they're going to have to face the Lord and the Lord's going to go, So let me talk to you about how you were preaching in my name and what you did to boast yourselves up. Very important. We must constantly realize that we are here seeking the approval of the Lord only, not of man and not of each other. So remember what that video showed us. Jesus came to solve a heart problem. We all have had a heart problem, the same heart problem we are having today. See, at, at the heart of it, the focus is me me, me, but instead it needs to be Jesus, 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 and so on. So Paul tells us this in verse 14. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul was boasting in the cross for what it had done in his life. I ask all of you, has the cross done anything in your life? Can I get an amen? Right. Cross has done many things. Christ has done many things in my life. It's funny, Missy was telling me a story earlier, and I'll leave it between the three of us. Telling a story about when I worked for Randy. And she was telling me that story, and I almost cringed. Because that's not who I am now. See, I'm a new life, new creation. Not regenerated because I read a bunch of books, but regenerated because of what Christ has done in and through me, may I never boast in him. I mean, may I never boast in me, may I always boast in him. Think about it this way. If the cross is just a help, but we must complete our salvation through our good works, it is really our works that make the difference. See, what an attractive sounding message. We can pat ourselves on the back for having reserved a place in heaven. I hope you sense the sarcasm there. Like Paul, if we truly understand the gospel There is nothing else to boast in but the cross. See, I can't boast in my preaching. It's all what Christ has done through me. I can't boast in my parenting, my marriage, me being a husband. I think I'm a pretty good cook. Can't boast in that. Can't boast in my counseling. Can't boast in any of that. I'd love to tell you I can even boast that maybe it's because I've been disciplined. I try to be disciplined but I can't even boast in that because he's given me the strength to be disciplined, right? Absolutely nothing to boast in except for in him. I have absolutely nothing to boast in but Jesus Christ. Religion, folks, listen to this, because this is what people are preaching this day. Listen to this. Religion leads us to boast in something about us where the gospel leads us to boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. Who are you boasting in? You boasting in you or are you boasting in Jesus? So now we get to the heart of what Paul is trying to say to us through the entire book. And that we see in verse 15 and it's this. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. So Paul's been talking about circumcision the whole time. And now he even says, look, you know what, forget circumcision. You know what, forget uncircumcision. It absolutely doesn't matter. What matters is that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you become a new creation. Paul uses this term, new creation, three times, twice in Galatians, and he uses it once in 2 Corinthians 5.17, which says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, the old is gone and the new has come. The word therefore refers back to the verses fourteen through sixteen in Second Corinthians, where Paul tells us that a believer, believers have died with Christ, no longer uh, sorry, with Christ and no longer live for themselves. Our lives are no longer worldly. You understand that? We're now spiritual. Our death is that of the old sin nature, which was nailed to the cross with Christ. It was buried with him just as he was raised up by the Father. So are we raised up, walk in newness of life as we see in Romans 6, 4. So here's the picture that I had throughout this whole thing. And I've, this picture has come to me over, over the years. And, I, and it's, it's something that as Christians we've seen this picture multiple times. But I, I kind of want to reiterate it. So one of, the, one of the pictures that we look at as Christians is the idea of a caterpillar. Becoming a butterfly, right? This little teeny thing that inches along the ground, dragging their belly and everything else on the ground, one day becomes something else, becomes a butterfly, has wings. You know, Frank uses props. I thought I'd put wings on, but I thought it'd be a little weird, especially if I flew up in the air, that would be kind of strange. But think about it that caterpillar becomes a new creation. Here's the problem, folks. We still live like we're a caterpillar. Okay? That's the problem. And we all do it. I mean, I, I, I even thought about putting a mirror right here today just so as I preached I could hear myself. We all still live like a caterpillar, even though we are now a butterfly. So think of how weird, now think about this. Think about if you were walking down the street, taking a walk with your, with your spouse, and, I, and Michelle went, hey, honey, look at that, isn't that weird? That butterfly is crawling along on the ground, not flying anymore. Folks, I'm telling you right now, that's sometimes what the world sees in us. Why are we not flying like butterflies? But at times, we still look like the caterpillar for absolutely no reason. When God is, what, what God is teaching us through Paul is this. As Christians, there is nothing in this world that now has power over us as a new creation. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Paul does not say the world is dead, but he said we are dead to it. The gospel destroys its power. The world has nothing over us anymore. If there is nothing in the world, now listen, if there is nothing in the world that I can find righteousness in or salvation, if there is nothing in the world that I can boast in, then there is nothing in the world that controls me. Nothing that I have, I must have. That does not mean that we are able to hide in the corner and stay away from the world because that's not what we're called to do. That means the world has absolutely no power over us. It's Christ's power in us. But we tend to, I watch it happen. I've done it. We get up in the morning and we're like, man, rough day ahead of me. I don't know what I'm going to do. Folks, we have the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We do not know, we, we no longer belong to the world. We are these amazing new life people because of what Christ did. Now, nothing matters for salvation except for Jesus, which means we must be born again and or a new creation. This comes about not by observing the law in any form, but by receiving it and stepping out upon the truth of the gospel. It's not about what we have done, but what Christ did on the cross. Insert whatever you want, folks. Circumcision, whatever. It's you and I are trying to earn our way to heaven at times. See, we give money, we serve, we do all these things, and we think we're working our way up up the ladder. Personally, I think that comes from um, us working in the corporate world, and there's this sense of, like, you've got to work your way up the ladder. I think we struggle with that. It is what Paul has been trying to say to the Galatians. Hey, you bunch of knuckleheads, stop it. You're a new creation. Forget everything else. What matters is through Christ. We, We all can be made new creations. Here's here's the problem we have. We let things other than Jesus define us. What's defining you right now? Is it your job? What is it? Because one of the things that's really important is what defines us is what Christ did on the cross for us. See, I like knowing I like knowing (laughs) I'm lazy. I like knowing I don't have to work for it. God's already done it. See, the joy comes in living with the Holy Spirit inside of you and serving others, serving God, and hearing that idea of well-done, good and faithful servant. But the good and faithful servant isn't God's not going to take a list and go, You gave X amount of money to the church. You did this. You did that. Serving the Lord is an outpouring of our love that we have for Him. It's not a... See, we take it backwards. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And He's going to love me more. Right? We've heard... Frank's been saying that. Holy Spirit's been speaking through Frank to say that to all of us. It's not what we do to earn God's favor. Okay? The greatest thing we can do with the Lord is rest in him. Have faith in him. Believe in him. Let him change your life. Paul then wraps up the letter with this with these last three verses. And I'll do this hopefully quickly so we don't run out of time. Galatians 6:16 6, Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule even to the Israel of God. Paul has taught so much in Galatians, in Galatians to us. Then we come to this final statement and he wraps it up with two simple yet very, very pow- powerful words. And what are those words? Peace and mercy comes to all who follows this rule, this rule. It's not a rule like the rules that we have that we hand down to our children. We went through this yesterday. chores, Clean your room, blah, blah, blah. How'd that go for you guys? <laughs> it was fun at our house yesterday. Um, I tried to be a grace dispenser, though. Um, anyway, it's not about those kind of rules. What they're saying is, what, what Paul is saying is, this way of life, letting Christ come into your life letting the Holy Spirit lead you, bowing your knee to the Savior of the world, if you live for Him and live like that, you will have peace. And He will give you endless amount of mercies. Now, peace, as I know everybody in this room understands, there's a lot of you here struggling with a lot of stuff, a lot of heartache in here, a lot of suffering a lot of pain, and it hurts. I'm watching my mom with the dementia. It's tough. No matter what you're going through, you're still a new creation, though. I've caught myself watching mom. This is not on the paper, you're getting this extra. I've watched my mom, and Jason Tate said this to me, I think last week or two weeks ago. Mom's struggling with her memory. But she just stands there worshiping the Lord. And she said to Jason, Jason was like, How you feeling, Miss Barr? Blah, blah, blah. And she said, I got Jesus and I got my Bible. New creation, folks. New creation. Even though she's falling apart. Even though I'm falling apart. Even though we're all falling apart. New creation. And I know it hurts, folks. I know this life hurts. He is preparing a place for us, and one day we will be home with him and our loved ones. I'm not going to dance. might break something. (laughs) Dancing on the streets of glory. What an amazing time that will be. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule. Verse 17, finally let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. What are these marks that Paul is referring to? Well, could be his stay in prison, could be this, could be that, could be multiple things. But one of the things that's important about this, it's not as much what are the marks, it's more how Paul's saying it. Paul's not boasting or bragging. Paul's saying, these are the marks that I have ob- obtained because I follow Jesus Christ. See, what he's saying to the legalizers is, hey, where are your Marks. I don't see your marks. See, you're preaching a gospel that has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. That's why you don't have any marks. I have marks because what I'm telling people scares people. I have marks because what I tell people really messes up the way they've been thinking of things. I have marks because I'm all in for Jesus Christ. My question to all of you, because I know you all have marks, are those marks for Christ? Are they? I hope they are. These genuine and honorable marks on Paul's body contrast with the legalistic marks and now meaningless marks of circumcision, which the legalizers wish to impose on the Galatian. I think most of us could show our marks and scars that we have for following Christ. May those marks never be about us and what we have done all about what Christ has done through us. And then lastly, the last verse, Paul ends this passage the way he started Galatians. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirits, brothers. Amen. He started with the grace of Jesus. He ends it with the grace of Jesus. As followers of Jesus Christ, folks, we are new creations. We were once like the caterpillar, Inching our way through life, and then He came and miraculously changed our lives. I read something somewhere. I hope I quote this right. If we can't understand it, most likely God did it. Does that sound right? So we can, if we can explain, if I can explain how my salvation took place, maybe it didn't really happen. Because I would tell you what's taking place inside of me is miraculous. And I know a lot of brothers and sisters in here could stand right here and say the exact same thing. Unexplainable. Miraculous. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirits, brothers. Amen. That's what he's saying. So let me, I'm going to end with, I was listening to this song, of course, only the way the Lord works, driving up here, Song comes on the radio, and I went, wow, that's really powerful. I've heard it before, but it just kind of hit in today. And, and the, roughly the verses go this way. If you've got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel loss, he's the way maker. If you need freedom, salvation, he's the prison shaken savior. If you got chains, He's the chain breaker. I'm going to end it this way. The Holy Spirit through Frank Taylor. Never forget that. Frank Taylor will tell you a million times. I talked to him private about this. He never, just like me, we never want you to think it's what we've set up here. It's God's word, the Holy Spirit telling us what to write, guiding us along that process. Okay? But he has pushed this from the beginning. How many of you think God loves you? The question is, how many of you all think he likes you? Well, folks, he likes you because if he didn't like you, you wouldn't be a new creation. You understand? The key is, as a new creation, we must constantly be connected to the creator. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for today. Father, you are such a good, good God, Lord. Father, there is absolutely nothing I have done, nothing I did, but you saved me, Father. You have made my past go away. You are in control of my present and my future. It's in your hands, Father. Father, we love you. And we thank you, Father, for calling us your children. Father, for for helping us to have new life, Father. Thank you, Father, for those of us who have put our, our life in your hands, Father. Thank you for taking us from the caterpillar to the butterfly, Father. We love you, Lord, in your holy, precious name. Amen.